0: Yeah.
1: And whenever you're ready. Salutations, fine people of the internet. Welcome to episode number three of the Deep Dive Discography Podcast, where we listen to an entire band's discography, and then we talk about it. And today we got a doozy for you. But first, I am joined by my friend and co-host, main host Guy aaron price (laughs) and i am marcus guitar player of apoc and today we are talking about the black dahlia murder hell yeah how do you feel about the black dahlia murder aaron
0: fuck (laughs) (laughs) that what else is there to say um this band has one of the most dedicated followings in all of metal and uh who doesn't know them at this point point? and if you don't why why don't you know them at this point
1: yeah they're uh, one of the greatest bands ever <laughs> i think it's fair to say <laughs> the discography is for the most part pretty amazing there are so many classics and a really interesting example of a band that started off really really young and just kept getting better and stayed together and now they're one of the greatest bands ever. It's really yeah. inspiring to watch this band grow and develop and how they've changed over the years through member swaps and they always stayed consistent.
0: Yeah, uh, they like you said they started young. Um Trevor was 20 when the first demo came out. Like Brendan was was 19. They uh, it's it's the typical like It's the typical age for the era. You you look at it with bands like Children of Bodom and Trivium and Black Dahlia. And everyone's starting while they're still in high school and they're still forming these high school bands. And they just happen to find that right
1: tone and right sound that really works. Yeah, I guess we're, we're going pretty deep today. We're actually starting off with their first demo called What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse. And this was released in 2001. And, yeah, we got to talk about the beginning because, you know, right from the get go, they really did set the stage for their development as a band. Um, What a horrible night to have a curse does not actually include that aforementioned title (laughs) track that is on a different release, of course. And. What did you think of this first demo? I mean, pretty impressive considering like how young and stupid they were, right? Like, it's cool. It's a really fascinating listen.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it is really interesting to listen to, uh, especially when, like, when listening to it now, it's so much more obvious how influenced they were by that early Death core tone. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going around at the time. And... I mean, yeah, they. it's just, it's such a different sound from where they ended up.
1: But at the same time, it's a pretty logical first step. Um, like you mentioned, it's fair to say that like the first couple releases from this band are actually like metalcore way more than they are melodic death metal um very of its time like this came out like I said 2001 it has that guitar tone it has that style of production it does sound like a metal chord demo so know that kind of going into this it's not very polished it is what it is I understand they were a young band blah 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 but um the songwriting is actually pretty okay it does sound like a young band goes about saying yeah I mean, but I mean the songs on here are actually like pretty cool though like very stereotypical metal core riffage but I mean old and faithful honestly
0: like so I know the album came the, the album I'm about to mention came five years after but going into this basically plan on hearing count your blessings like this right. this is I I highly doubt this demo ever made it across the across the pond but it honestly sounds like it would have influenced early Bring Me the Horizon.
1: I wouldn't be surprised, man. I mean, if they're into that kind of stuff, they might have stumbled upon it through the entered butts. And I, yeah, I actually don't know about how this was released. I'm assuming it was probably on like MySpace and maybe just <laughs> physical, like, you know, makeshift CDs or whatever. But
0: yeah, I, I saw a lot of people mentioning that they got it at like, at random shows, random dive shows that the band did. Okay. Um, okay. But In the
1: Detroit area, I'm assuming. Yeah,
0: I mean, but how much truth there is behind that? The picture that's on uh, on Metal Archives is of the CD, so I'm going to assume they printed CDs.
1: Yeah, uh, that's what I'm seeing as well. Where it has like the little strip on the side with the bats flying. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because it is worth noting, um, Trevor's a massive fan of like old school video games and that's where the that's where a lot of his influence comes from and you can see it even more notably here because what a horrible night to have a curse is actually taken from castlevania 2 it's it's said by uh it's dracula who goes on no no it's alucard who goes on i don't remember it's been a (laughs) long time since i played the early castlevanias but yeah a lot of his influence comes from comes from the old nes games and snes games and, uh, yeah, it comes through with, with the very first title that he managed to come up with. Um, yeah, I like, the songs on this on this demo are just so metalcore as well. All <laughs> my best friends are bullets to you contortionists. This ain't no fucking love song. Like, yeah. anyone who tries to argue that Black Dahlia didn't start as a metalcore band, just dishonest. has their just just has their head so far up their ass it's it's not <laughs> even worth having the conversation with them
1: yeah yeah um speaking of chorisms, clean vocals eh isn't that just so funny to hear trevor doing clean vocals yeah. like <laughs> this is the only occurrence by the way
0: yeah that i'm
1: aware of of clean vocals in this discography and um i mean it's yeah. actually surprisingly good uh but yeah bear in mind it does sound like a young vocalist again like It's just so crazy because it's so rare that like you actually get to hear this side of a band.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this
1: demo really does sound like a bunch of teenagers getting together and now knowing what they are now, it's such an interesting historical piece, right?
0: Being able to find a band's early demos is actually really difficult. Um, I mean, there's people who would kill to be able to find the early demos that came along with. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, even Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that, just because of when they started, mm, it, and yeah. because it was before the age of the internet, and that's that's kind of the the glory in all these bands starting that started in the early 2000s, is all of these early demos ended up on MySpace and were downloaded by somebody somewhere, and now they're all on YouTube. Yeah, and you get to hear you get to hear the full evolution of a band as opposed to just the evolution from the albums. And yeah. it, it gives you a much better understanding of how, an, how a band got where they are and why they have some of the influences that they do.
1: Cause do you like, sorry, keep going.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, cause even in some of the, some of the newer black Dahlia albums, you can still hear that same metal core influence that came through. That comes through on this one, and will continue to come through until about nocturnal. But yeah,
1: do you like the songs on this EP or demo? Rather, sorry. I do. I actually too. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: too. <laughs> I, I, I have fun with it. Um, You know, I I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you can't like anything that has the word core in it. You can't like anything. Oh, I love anything metalcore. metalcore yeah exactly like there's so many so many different influences throughout this but it it does seem like they were the origins of uh of spawning some of this this early metalcore deathcore sound as much as people want to say that they were influenced by bands who weren't even around at the time because that makes a whole lot of sense
1: (laughs) yeah it's um it really does remind me of the summertime like, just like the style of music and, <laughs> Yeah, you know 90s and really really early metalcore is its own wild animal so perhaps at some point we can talk about early metalcore bands but um, yeah this is that era of metalcore and so this is the era of metalcore that I think people actually think of when they think of metalcore because
0: yeah. you understand
1: like at the time Converge was still you know not the oldest band in the world right
0: Chrome yeah, exactly. Eggs was
1: only like 10 years prior and stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of interesting to see. Does that this is the very the at the gates core style metal core?
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you can kind of hear a little bit of Unearthed in there as well, who, yeah. who you know started like just before and pretty much at the same time, not too far away. Um I wouldn't be surprised to figure out that the bands went on tour with each other early on, type thing it's yeah it was a it's a very specific sound that came from a very specific area that kind of built into a worldwide thing after that
1: and now detroit has a very bustling hardcore scene and i wonder how much has had an influence on that because it is cool to know that black Dahlia murder came from detroit and there are a lot of punk bands and diy venues and stuff yeah those parts i um I had the privilege of playing No Rest Fest, which is held by the band The Armed of Detroit, and yeah, man, people in Detroit fucking go ape for that shit. And it was a really wild time. And it's a DIY venue, and
0: yeah, yeah mean, I, So I
1: imagine that you know this had a huge influence on the scene that's around today.
0: Yeah, I love those. Like there are very, very few places that are so passionate about the underground and Detroit's definitely one of them. And it's, it's why making a band and becoming, becoming a band in Detroit was so accessible, especially
1: early on. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a really cool release. I want to know if I would call it an essential listen. I think historically, and this is again, like really for the hardcore fans. I don't think, I think if we're trying to get into black Dahlia murder, Unless you are really, really into the sound, you could probably go ahead and skip it.
0: Um, yeah, if if you like Black Dahlia, if you're a big fan of Black Dahlia, listen to it. It's it's not, it's probably not where to start. But I don't know, maybe maybe it is because maybe it'll. I guess it just depends. Um, one thing about this album is, it becomes very obvious very early on how intelligent Trevor is. Some of the lyrics in this album are actually outstanding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Trevor's an amazing vocalist and lyricist. I, I don't think his performance on this is as good as his lyrics, though.
0: No, no, it's I mean <laughs> it is fun to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it is fun to hear Trevor's performance on this because it is a far cry from where he's at now. But Yeah, it's it definitely doesn't stand up to uh, to his signature sound.
1: Yeah, if you guys are curious to check this one out, you can definitely find it on YouTube. That's actually how I was able to get a hold of it. Might be on MySpace, maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't know (laughs) that still exists. (laughs) I think so, but
0: I honestly don't know.
1: So Uh, moving on from that, they had something the year after called a cold-blooded epitaph, which is I guess more of a proper EP put out by a label called Love Lost, and I'm not actually not familiar with them.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, that yeah, uh, so. they did through the eyes of the dead, and that's about it.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah,
0: around the same time.
1: What do you think of this EP?
0: It's, I mean, it's still a metalcore release. Absolutely, it's blending more into that. Uh, that. At the gates core, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it it sets the bar for what Black dahlia has kind of become, including Close Closed Casket Requiem, which comes on the following album as like yeah. a proper record recording. Wow. And uh and a fun cover of Paint It Black.
1: Pretty good cover, actually. I was kind of surprised
0: for what it is. It is. But I mean, to be fair, I'm not a fan of the song normally because I find it. No. no
1: yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I don't care for the stones, but
0: yeah. I mean, end of the day, I'd rather listen to black toys version. So that's something, right?
1: Yeah. Um, the production in this is actually quite similar to unhollowed. I find, I actually thought this was a much, you know, more palatable listening experience than that first demo this EP is also rather short too. It's pretty easy to get through. It's only fifteen minutes, uh, just pushing sixteen minutes, rather. But um, it, it, I don't have much to say about it honestly because it is like it's a. It, it really does contextualize unhallowed quite a bit, which is yeah. the first album. You you know what I mean. This might as well be B sides off of that. It sounds really similar. It feels really similar. It has the same energy. Um, I think Trevor's performance is stronger on this EP than on the demo so that's worth noting and the production's obviously much more listenable like i was mentioning earlier it's just, it's just much better than the first effort i think
0: well both album. well i mean this ep was recorded and mixed and Unhollowed was produced and engineered all by the same person yeah. uh mike hasty from walls of jericho funny enough
1: yeah so yeah, yeah he's in walls of jericho i forgot about that Yep. Right. so
0: that that would explain having a lot of the same tones and everything uh, i believe they were recorded around the same time as well if i, I remember so. correctly it's i don't know it's hard to remember there was so many things that were going on at the time and the albums did not release too far apart either
1: yeah um
0: it's uh it's a good one <laughs> yeah.
1: i mean yeah that, that it's a good ep but again, I just don't have too much to say about it just because it is... Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, setting up the juicier stuff.
0: It It is a big setup for what the band will become. Close um, Caster Requiem, The Blackest Incarnation, uh, both end up on Unhallowed. So it's really just uh, the Burning Hive and the cover that aren't on there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, if you're looking for more Black Dahlia... It's Black Dahlia, you know. You, the you know the version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. If you like Unhollowed and you want a little bit more, then you have at least these couple extra songs. Plus, you get to hear the early versions of Closed Casket and uh, and the Blackest Incarnation.
1: You're pretty close. I don't think I have necessarily have a preference.
0: Yeah, they they are they are pretty close. Um, I mean Unhollowed obviously had a little bit better. Of a recording experience?
1: I think so. Yeah. And, it's a little bit cleaner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And obviously they got the backing of Metal Blade for it. So
1: Yeah, that's also important to note they've been on the same label their entire career. Since, yeah, since oh, the except first Love Lost, Love Lost, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um Should we get into Unhollowed? You ready?
0: Absolutely ready.
1: Pretty good album. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, still a more of a metalcore album, but it's definitely a little bit more into the metal side of that core equation um yeah Unhollowed is a timeless classic I think by (laughs) many standards now I mean not even like really my favorite album or an album that I really necessarily go back to that often but like man I'm nostalgic for it It, it's a very fun record it's silly it's uh it's sketchy in the parts that I like like the guitar solos aren't like you know mind-blowing it sounds like a young band still but I mean like it's 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 really fun yeah, it's the... very energetic, just moshy metalcore. <laughs> it's easy to remember. The riffs are like digestible and catchy. It's cool. It's
0: it, really in the cool. grand scheme of what this album has to offer, um, it's yeah, it's not one I go to very often, but "Closed Casket" and "Funeral Thirst" are two of my favorite songs that ever come up live.
1: Mm, I would agree. Yeah, "Closed casket's really good,
0: and especially like you said, it's very moshy. And being able to hop in a pit for for a closed casket is one of the best and worst choices you will make
1: in your life. Leaning towards the better, though.
0: <laughs> Leaning towards. Well, listen, it's it, <laughs> it, it, it's it's the worst choice for the best reasons. Yes, because uh, you're not the only one hopping in that pit. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: <This> is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know very like it's it's moshy it's energetic really i say the performance is definitely much tighter than the previous efforts obviously not as tight it's like i said it's rough around the edges in a way i kind of like yeah it's fun like i said it, it sounds like slightly older kids getting together and making like an album
0: and it um, it does it really set up something sorry i didn't mean to interrupt there
1: <laughs> I, know, bro, when I, was, but, I was actually gonna say the exact same thing it's about setting up the works yeah. after
0: Yeah, and it does. one thing it does set up that Black Dahlia has maintained through all their albums is a definitive closing track.
1: Mm, That's right.
0: And that is one thing I've always liked about Black Dahlia is you know when an album's ending. Um, Apex (laughs) is a definitive closer and they make sure it's a closer. You know when, when you're coming to a close and the album's going to restart because they want you to know exactly what's happening they are in control the whole time
1: yeah and also it is named apex too so it's very self-explanatory it would say yeah <laughs> of you know uh, um yeah you're right that is actually a huge thing that we're going to touch upon that's a lot of our favorite tracks are likely to be the closers i know some of my tracks that are favorites are closers yep. but also really good openers uh generally yeah. speaking i think opening tracks are actually some of my favorite tracks just hands down i think it's really important to set the tone and let the listener know here's what your experience is and you really only have one song to do that and there's a lot of ways to go about doing that i don't know if unhollowed has the best way of doing it the title track is the first track and it's kind of like a uh breakdown intro like it it, it's it's not going to blow your mind or anything but it does set up uh you know funeral for Sorry, funeral <laughs> thirst really nicely. So I, yeah, I, I do like its place. It is like setting up. I guess that in a way, it's almost like the intro to their entire discography. <laughs> it really is because <laughs> um, this is the only album that really has a slower intro. The rest of them, it's very go go go.
0: Yeah, like my has it has an instrumental intro as well.
1: Oh, it does. Yeah, it right.
0: is. It's one thing that I I am glad that Black Dahlia moved away from because there are very, very, very few releases that need a two-minute instrumental intro.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, I mean, it works, but the intro on this one could have been cut down to 30 seconds and pasted onto the front of Funeral Thirst, as opposed to making it a two-minute track of its own.
1: Yes, I agree. It's a little little self-indulgent, but I can kind (laughs) of... I, I can I can kind of gel with it. Yeah, self indulgent in the ways that I can kind of willingly really be like, oh, whatever, it's all good. <laughs> it doesn't turn me off or anything, but it's just not the strongest. Yeah, intro. You know, one of my favorite songs of this whole discography is an unlikely one because I haven't listened to this one actually for quite a while until we had to. And Elder Misanthropy, really, really good track, man. Really it's probably one, one. the. It, it might be the most metalcore ass song on this <laughs> release. But man, there's some really catchy riffage on here. Very, yeah. very melodic. Everything's harmonized. It's just so bouncy. It's very anthemic. It's, um, yeah. It's. I just can't help but notice that like one of my favorite songs is on the first album, and it's so different <laughs> from the rest of their music. Yeah, yeah. It, just in general, very energetic and entertaining release. You know? Like, even though it's not necessarily what I want from them, I'm glad I actually had to sit down and listen to it again.
0: Yeah, as a whole, I, I I do gotta say my favorite track on this one is another one that just shows you how intelligent and how well how well spoken that Trevor is. Uh, Die Co- Die Horror Cosmic. Good one, yeah. Is yeah. just a massive piece on H.P. Lovecraft's work, and just the way it's written, it's 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 a more palatable. Way of experiencing Lovecraft and actually going and reading the Necronomicon. I dig
1: it. Yeah. 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 You know, um, I guess all I can really say about this release and what I like about Black Tally is their albums are rather short and this one is rather short as well. It never overstay its welcome. And I think that's an important thing. I said before, like pacing is so important for my own listening experiences. And I yeah. think this one does what it needs to do in as little time as possible and
0: yeah yeah it's it definitely it it makes everything work so much better if if you don't get bored part way through and it's it's very important and it's one thing that black Dolly is always stuck with i'm i think maybe one album jumps up goes above 40 minutes and that's it i think the rest are all within that 30 minute marker
1: yeah, yeah. Would
0: you recommend this one? I would. I would. Uh, I would.
1: Me too. Yeah.
0: I mean, of their early, I guess their early two albums, I would recommend this one more than Miasma.
1: I would agree, actually. So uh, let's talk about Miasma then.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Miasma. Uh, let's see. Good. It has one of the lamest album covers. <laughs>
1: yep, it is shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it's not great. Just a city.
0: It's just a city with Black Dahlia's logo thrown over top of it. I don't Uh, know
1: why, but it's there.
0: I'm Charming is a great picture. Or a great... Fuck. The album art's (laughs) throwing me off now. That's how bad the album art is. Uh, I'm Charming is a great song. Um, Statutory Ape will always be a live track. And past that, I am uh, pretty hit or miss on this album.
1: I like the title track a lot, which is actually the closer. Funny enough, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just, I wrote that down. as you know, one
1: of my favorite songs, actually. Yep,
0: yeah, to add to the to the whole thing, the the closer is usually one of the best songs on the album.
1: And in this case, I think that's true. I think the issue. Okay, so here's this is a bit of a twofold, right? Came out in two thousand five. This bad boy right here. This is definitely the start of the Black Dahlia murder isms as we know it. The earliest version of the Black Dahlia sound, I think, can be traced back to this. But because it's that weird transition between the metal chord into the melodic death metal sound, I think it stumbles in some regard. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it is really energetic. It is really entertaining. It's just not as strong as the release before after. It's just sandwiched between two better releases.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they do... Uh... They do fall into a little bit of an issue with that. Um, I mean, the first album, yes, yeah, it's not it's not the best. It's not the greatest thing they've ever done. but it's an incredibly important release that ha- and every song has its place. And the next album is <laughs> it's iconic. It is the most important thing that this band has ever done. And my asthma just slapped right in the middle of the two which is probably really unfortunate for it but even, even in a vacuum it, it's hard for me to really care about this one I yeah love... I don't
1: visit and it very much
0: I can say I say that in the nicest way possible because I love Black Dahlia and everything they've done but yeah in terms of like if I'm going to turn on Black Dahlia it's very unlikely I'm going to turn on my asthma
1: yeah yeah um I think the singles that they released for this actually are rather good, though. Great at Wikipedia, the singles were A Vulgar Picture, Miasma, and Statutory Ape. And I think those are great choices to showcase what this album is. But again, it also like, even though I don't like it as much as Unhollowed or Nocturnal or quite frankly, a lot of their other works, I think um, because it has the beginning of the Black Dahlia murder sound the way we know it today, definitely is a fascinating lesson I think it is essential for that reason yeah even though like I would tell people just to listen to other ones first And <laughs> I, kind I, of, ever, kind of, I kind of sound like I'm going hard and sing but I actually do like this release by the way
0: yeah exactly um kind of like you said it it is the start of of the that black doyism. it's silly in the best kind of way it's intelligent in everything it does and especially when you look at the band's early singles statutory ape is one of the best music videos that's been released in metal pretty great because it's just it's so silly but it works for the song
1: i think it's also worth noting that um pretty much every other aspect of this album is vastly improved over on hollow just a songwriting quite frankly because the production is better the performances sound a lot tighter trevor's vocals sound a lot better there's more classics on here i feel but the parts that miss just don't land as hard you know yeah. it's it's complicated honestly it's, it's you know i don't want to be too hard because i do want to encourage people to check it out
0: one thing that is actually really important yeah. is uh the, album, the album's executive producer was Brian Sligo himself.
1: Oh. Interesting.
0: Yeah, which is very important. There's uh, there's very, well, I, I don't want to say very few. He's been an executive producer on quite a few albums. But in, term, in the grand scheme of look at everything that Metal Blade has put out. Everything that he has a hand on has turned into something great he yeah. you know he did uh twilight an under god that was the only one that he touched for a Mono mars that's he one did, of my favorites
1: of their discography
0: yeah he did vile for cannibal corpse which is the first death metal album to ever break the billboard charts yeah um you know he's done a lot of merciful fate stuff I mean we won't touch on the fact that he had a hand in graveyard classics, but
1: six years under sometime. Oh
0: fuck. Um,
1: yeah, I think we should. That's that's, that's that's uh we'll talk later. That's a conversation <laughs> for another time. <laughs> oh my god. Well we were talking about Black Tie. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah one point. Sorry. <laughs> um but Yeah. yeah. I husband... mean this album popped off pretty substantially like it definitely landed more i think than the previous album i feel like people are way more aware of miasma and it looks like i'm pretty sure at the time people were quite receptive of this album
0: yeah i'm trying to figure out what led to this like who did they tour with at this time what led to them what led to this being such a hmm. big thing
1: i mean metal blades are uh, nothing to sneeze at but maybe it was just time and place quite frankly yeah just the album that just came out the year it needed to come out in the same way where like for example like System of a Down's Toxicity were, is a better album because it came out in the same year as
0: 9-11 that's fair Do you know what I
1: mean it's like the time and place and the culture of the world was probably just right so that Black Dahlia murder could be propelled and they just brought the sound that needed to be heard
0: yeah I, I mean they must have done everything right they did a headline Japan tour for this album yeah, I mean, what like, yeah, what can you argue with? They they were headlining tours and venues all around the world with their second album.
1: And yeah, well, <laughs> and they're still young. They must have been like maybe twenty three at most. Yeah.
0: So I mean, yeah, maybe like you said, it was just right place, right time. Because I mean, it's a great album. Don't get me wrong. But it's surprising that this was the album that really kicked it off.
1: I kind of see it. I think the cuts that are on here that are really strong, especially those singles too, like that, that really does help an album, right? When all the yeah. singles are bangers, it makes people more enthusiastic for what's in store. Maybe it would have landed differently if the singles weren't the strongest tracks, right? Yeah, of course. So hard to say because hindsight being 2020.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, they were touring over between The Buried and me at this time.
1: That, that would have been cool.
0: Think about it that way. So, yeah, like you said, right place, right time, I suppose. Uh, you know, what was even more right place, right time.
1: Oh, I think I do. Nocturnal. You mean, one of the greatest albums ever.
0: This album got them on walking. Yeah. And that's that is a big feat, especially with it being. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Uh, what a
1: step up. Holy <laughs> hell. Like in every facet, really, it's just infinitely better than everything they've done before it. And of course, amazing artwork done by our man, Dan Seagrave.
0: Yep. Who has done uh, done some Everybody. spectacular work. And let's not forget the introduction of Shannon Lucas on drums.
1: Mm, how God. Did we forget?
0: Damn. That man is a machine
1: yeah yeah my god he's a he's a fantastic drummer and his departure was definitely missed we'll kind of get there um you know one thing this album that i read that i think upon re-examination is the guitar solos don't really do it for me like they used to and i think that's evident by the fact that uh oh gosh i just forget his name ryan knight is the guitar player on the next several releases. <laughs> and when you go from this fellow, John campaign, Kempe- Kempein- oh my gosh. I'm John so Kempeinen. sorry, John. Thank you. When you go from <laughs> him to Ryan Knight, it's a pretty stark contrast. Not yeah. to say I think his solos suck or anything. I think they're, I think they're pretty good solos, but um, I think their performances could have been better, quite frankly. And that's just kind of me nitpicking it. I think the solos, a bit of a low point in some of these songs because of it
0: i think the solos are the least important part of this entire album
1: yeah a big time yeah because the when, riffage is seriously there
0: exactly when you think of what a horrible night to have occurs do you think of the riffs or do you think of the solo the riffs when you think of everything went black do you think of the riffs or do you think of the solo
1: definitely the riffs
0: and uh take it one step further when you think of Warborne, what really takes this album out is it the riffs or is it the solo
1: gotta be the riffs
0: yeah there is so much on this album and so many like absolutely insane riffs that i really don't even care when a solo pops up because i just want the riff back
1: yeah yeah and the songwriting on here is just so much tighter than miasma and just every every conceivable way like the opening track being everything went black is just what a statement holy fuck easily one of my favorite songs of their entire discography oh yeah i think that's probably a crowd favorite amongst everybody i'm sure it's a very popular opinion i hold but i mean man rightfully so like the riffs and the guitar tones like this album sounds fierce and the songwriting just is impeccable some of the best of the genre um this i think it's also worth noting that this is definitely a full-on melodic death metal album they are no longer a core band at this point in my brain
0: yeah yeah it's this is the start of black dahlia as we know them
1: yes i was gonna say that is a very important thing to note if you had to tell someone to listen to black dahlia I think Nocturnal is a pretty good way to go for the first one. It's it, a little bit older, of course, compared to some of their more contemporary works. But I mean, man, it holds up. And it
0: essentially has to be the first album.
1: Yeah, it's, it really does contextualize the future.
0: Yeah, it's hard to to go and do anything else. Um, you know, you, you could start elsewhere. You could start at the beginning. But if you want Black Dahlia and you want the full experience of Black Dahlia, this is the full experience of Black Dahlia.
1: I wouldn't change it for the world. It's just so good. Um, you know, the thing about it, too, is I actually didn't really get into this album for quite a while. I actually revisit as an adult many years after being into Black Dahlia. I think it's because when I got into Black Dahlia, Deflorate and, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the album after Deflerate, uh, uh, Ritual were the ones I got introduced to. And I think those were a bit of a step up from Nocturnal, if you can believe it. So I'm kind of spoiling my opinion (laughs) about how much I adore this band. But I mean, yeah, I heard those other versions first. So it took me a while to go to the older Black Dahlia and appreciate it.
0: Uh, See, here's the thing. I started, and I know a lot of people will actually agree with me on this one. I started with Black Dahlia because a rock band.
1: Mm, what I a horror! Wh-
0: yeah, what a horror! When I to have a curse was a, a downloadable song, a purchasable song on Rock Band Two. Yeah, Rock Band I didn't Two. Know that. <laughs> and um, I mean, Rock Band Two had some killer songs. Had Painkiller and stuff like that. But once you've mastered everything and you're looking for something more difficult, wh- basically, what I would do is is I would go on to the the DLC store, and I would go and pick. Hey what's the hardest song to play on guitar? And lo and behold, the first thing to come up for every instrument besides vocals is, uh, is what a horrible night to have a curse. And everything went downhill from there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was the moment that your life changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it was pretty big. You just, it, there was no fighting just what they were doing.
1: I mean, it's a cut above the rest, man. Like this came out in 2007 and I think the production and I think the songwriting is just a cut above so much of what's happening in death metal at the time.
0: I mean, like you said, it came out in 2007 and it's better than most things that have come out since.
1: Yeah. I mean, dude, it's impeccable. This thing holds up man. it does not sound even remotely dated and it's nearly 15 years old.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: I think it's a testament to the band's legacy and why they are as big as they are now is because their music does stand the test of time and every band that we care about has this as a common theme
0: yeah exactly pretty much every band that we will discuss on deep dive of is a band that has a lasting influence and yeah. if it, like otherwise what's the point of talking about it you know yeah. we we could go talk about some band that everyone forgot about we could shit on an entire discography because a band is garbage and thinks that they're good or we can look at who set the standards in so many different ways and that's exactly what black Joy have done they have set the standards in in early metalcore they've set the standards in melodic death metal they've just set the standards for production
1: yeah could not put it better myself
0: and, uh, yeah, Nocturnal is the real key start to a lot of that.
1: Do you have favorite songs on this release besides De- the whole thing?
0: Death Mass Divine, definitely. Um, I agree. And, you know, to follow a, a mild trend, Warborn. I it's, love hard, every- it's hard to argue with, it, with the outro on this album.
1: For me, it's got to be Everything Went Black. I really liked death mask um i really liked of darkness spawned as well i mean yeah just a really banger set list songs are very short by the way i really we, we you guys are gonna know this is i like short songs Yep, so very short songs and that's part of the reason why i love this band is the pacing is really good yeah Not a single second is wasted they value my time as a listener.
0: <laughs> and i mean my favorite part about short songs even if you see this band on an opening slot, you usually get about 14 songs in the set list.
1: Bang for your buck, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah.
1: So yeah, yeah it's, it's an essential listen. Um, don't slouch. <laughs> Please listen to this album and <laughs> eat your Wheaties, kids. Like I don't know how else to tell you. <laughs> it's it's an amazing experience. Yeah.
0: yeah, and then it goes on to a slightly weird album cover this is oh, the album cover it. threw me off for quite a while but i've grown i've grown to really love the art on on Deflorate.
1: yeah I, I mispronounced the name a multitude of times you're gonna notice i do that
0: that's fine <laughs> everyone <laughs> knows things, that's about. my shtick
1: um, <laughs> yeah Deflorate's god tier um i don't know that's all i gotta say
0: yeah it's (laughs) 10 stars like it's it's
1: incredible holy shit um
0: i mean i'll start with just like everything else the songs are short every song on this album except for the closer is under four minutes
1: and what a closer by the way
0: i will return is (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's it that's yeah (laughs) that's it it's and it's
1: perfect song yeah it's
0: it's the perfect statement for an album to close on and for a live set to close on.
1: Oh, yeah. And they do close on that a lot. Yeah. It leaves you with a little bit of optimism, doesn't it? <laughs> I, exactly. It's like y- you leave happy. <laughs> and
0: that's that's kind of the whole thing is like Black Dahlia are a band that is for, for the fans. And it's very important that they're for the fans. Um, just the way everything is done and the way that they treat all of their releases and, and everything around it, it's very much pandering to to their fans in the absolute best kind of way. Yeah, this this album has some of the craziest, best songs on it. Um, opening with black valor you got necropolis awesome. um, a selection Natural, christ of form thrown a lunacy that which erodes the most tender of things and obviously closing an eye will return and i like i skipped over some songs just because i i will sit here and name them all
1: it's great it is a really spectacular an album, album. again Talk about just not wasting my time. 34 minutes. Thank you for valuing my time. (laughs) Black Dahlia Murder and Co. Because I really appreciate that. And yeah, they 10 songs again and just make such a strong statement. One of my favorite parts of this album is like Ryan Knight's debut is so strong with this band and how much he adapts into this band. It's incredible. Yeah. It is so amazing how he just jumped in and really, I think his performance actually elevates the band.
0: He makes it very clear when he shows up. (laughs) Yeah. Like he, he comes in and kicks the door down essentially.
1: And man, those solos, this is the part where I start to really admire the black Dahlia murder solos. Yeah. This is definitely the album where they really get that aspect together.
0: Yeah. And it's like, not to put them on too high of a pedestal. Well, especially not to put Ryan Knight on too high of a pedestal, but Ryan Knight to Black Dahlia is essentially what Barty Friedman has become to Megadeth. Yeah,
1: I would have to agree with that.
0: He's just has such an influence over over everything and over everything he's done with them that him not being there is noticeable.
1: And actually, it's worth noting, too, that he actually does have writing credits on some of the better songs. Um, He has writing credits on I Will Return, he has it on Throne of Lunacy. Like he, he definitely um did some really cool stuff on this album. And again, those solos, man. I think like the rest of the discography leading to this point, very fun, very, very fun, very yeah. energetic, very just chaos, but very controlled. It's techie sometimes, it's melodic sometimes, it's blasty sometimes, it's it's everything, and it does everything so expertly. It really is a masterpiece, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, one thing that is also worth noting is uh, Jason Sweckoff of Chardwalls of the Dam plays guitar on I Will Return.
1: Didn't know that. It's interesting.
0: So there you go. That uh, There's a little tidbit for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, what else can we say about this <laughs> album besides stop this podcast throw away your phone and uh, listen to this thing listen, i think if you're listening yeah. to the podcast on spotify why are you
0: listening to no i'm, I'm not like I'm kidding listen to the podcast let us finish well, basically
1: first. <laughs> no other album matters because deflorate exists and yeah. same if like basically all audio is primitive caveman nonsense compared to <laughs> deflorate uh, whatever like
0: the recording of this album is just so clean
1: oh production is so good way ahead of its time man like 2009 this is definitely the best sounding record in town
0: yeah yeah
1: again through metal blade records <laughs> um this is probably when i actually more so became aware of them because i saw them one of my first actual proper metal shows was like children of Bodom, skeleton witch black dahlia murder Fuck. and some other blokes <laughs> and Deathly rate was brand spanking new and it just blew my fucking mind
0: well we're not we're still not to the first time i saw them i saw them a bit late but that that'll be a story when we get there
1: <laughs> oh cool cool i cannot wait
0: and uh believe it or not it still was not with ritual that i saw them wow but uh ritual is the next one i mean i guess i shouldn't get too ahead of myself what's your favorite song off of *Deflorate*? it
1: if I had to pick one Black Valor and I will, oh, I will return. Oh yes. man, man. <laughs> those two are like. If I had to pick just two, it has to be those two in no particular order because I constantly revisit those songs. Yeah,
0: pretty much just to not pick the closure on every album, and because it is also an absolute banger of a fucking song, uh, Throne of Lunacy. Absolutely, oh,
1: yeah, Throne of Lunacy is really sweet. That's also one of my absolute favorites. It's probably a close third yeah yeah anyways yeah go listen to this don't be an idiot
0: (laughs) but also an important listen is ritual
1: i like ritual a lot
0: i love ritual ritual i I like
1: it as much but man i fucking love this album it's fucking good it's ritual
0: has one of the best and most melodic songs that black guy has ever done
1: which one is that on stirring seas of salted blood it's a really good song it is
0: it is just such a slow tempo and just so consistent very brutal it's one of their longer songs and this is the album that breaks 40 minutes 45 minutes but it doesn't feel like it
1: really Um, doesn't
0: yeah this album just has so much because yeah you have you open on a shrine to madness you have moonlight equilibrium yeah which is A crazy good song. Um, Stirring Seas, which is pretty slow. Conspiring with the Dam picks it up instantly. The Window might
1: be one of my favorites.
0: (laughs) Yeah, The Window seems to be a lot of people's
1: favorites. God, it's so catchy. And it is about an awful subject matter, but my god. And yeah, it's so crazy that the anthem is so violent, and yet it's so catchy. (laughs) And like... Late, well, I guess halfway through the
0: album, pretty much. Um, you have basically a two-parter. You have Dead of the Picarus and The Entrance of the Necrosphere. The way those two songs blend into each other, even though they're very different, like mm. it feels like it's one song, but it's not.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: But yeah, this. This album is very particular in you know it's called ritual for a reason. The window is is the the ritual of, of abduction. Like that that's the whole thing with this album. All all songs on this album are a ritual of some sort. Yeah. And like it's in if you look at the liner notes for anyone who does own the album uh, a Shrine of Madness, Ritual of Celebration, Moonlight Equilibrium, Ritual of Transformation, Stirring Seas, Ritual of Condemnation. Yeah, um, yeah. and then you have The Window, Ritual of Abduction. Like you said, it isn't a great subject matter. Um, and Den of the Picarus, ri- Ritual of Mutilation. For anyone who doesn't know, Picarus is the act of sexually penetrating the skin.
1: I actually didn't know that yeah so it's essentially like a lot of sexual (laughs) violence themes on this album
0: yeah but not in not in a grotesque way not in the way not in a shock way the way that like not in a cannibal cannibal corpse corpse way yeah
1: yeah yeah it's not about blood and guts but it's violent but in a creepy psychological way
0: exactly it's and it's not and again not not to pick on cannibal corpse It's not violence against women. It's violence for the sake of violence.
1: Yeah, I see the distinction you're making. Yeah, that's that's a very key thing.
0: Cannibal corpse early on doesn't age well because it's violence against women specifically. And I was like, I get why, but it, you know, in 2021, it doesn't exactly gel the way it did.
1: It has misogynistic overtones. Exactly. Whereas
0: ritual Maybe that was the
1: point to be because they wanted to make it as horrible as they could. But yeah, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's just...
0: Yeah. Whereas ritual is, like you said, it's the psychological idea behind violence and the psychological and the way way serial killers specifically, because obviously Black Dahlia murders based off a serial killer, the Black Dahlia, and um, yeah, it's it's fully based on the psychology behind it, and the way that they see it. So serial killers will do particular things, like become a picarist and and essentially perform. What's the thing where you shove needles in somebody?
1: Acupuncture. <laughs> Acupuncture. <laughs> Thank-, Thank you. <laughs> see, words are hard today. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's essentially the idea of. A more violent form of acupuncture which relieves the tension in the mind for somebody who's unhinged or unstable and that that is a very distinct thing with with this album is the idea that it is just violence because it's what somebody's mind tells them to do and not violence against a woman because it's violence against a woman and shock factor
1: yeah yeah um with that being said, it's important to know this is where Black Dahlia Murders becomes less fun. I'm just going to throw that out there. I like Ritual a lot, but Deflerate is way more of a party time. <laughs> <laughs> this,
0: yeah, this album is a lot more serious. This album it is does it's definitely a lot more self
1: serious, which I think actually, I don't want to say it's to its detriment, but I think going forward after this, it is maybe that's why I prefer Deflerate and because it straddles that line very finely, whereas Rituals a little bit more like head deep into the more serious, darker aspects. Like you said, this one is more psychological rather than shocking. Whereas, how would you describe the you know the previous albums' lyrical themes? Almost like cosmic horror, I guess.
0: It's very H.P. Lovecraft.
1: Yeah, especially oh, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas this one a little bit more. I don't know Freudian, I guess, in its interpretation <laughs> of violence, which. Is pretty cool. That's a really interesting lens to look at this subject matter through, I think.
0: Yeah, and it is very important to understand that what this album is going for when it comes to when it comes to its lyr- lyrical content.
1: Any- do you prefer this over sorry to Kachov, do you prefer this over um, the previous? I do, I think. I think,
0: oh, okay. I don't
1: know. Okay. Not for me, but <laughs> by, by like a fraction of a hair kind of deal. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like they are very on level with each other. I'm trying to think, like.
1: But one thing that's better though is I think the songs are stronger in Defloret, but I think Ritual has better guitar solos. Very I... iconic Ryan Knight shreds.
0: Like I would rather listen to Moonlight or Unstirring Seas over most of the things on Defloret. But I would rather listen to most things on Defloret over most of the the other songs on Ritual, if that makes sense.
1: I I do understand. (laughs) I I, I personally disagree just because I think that Defloret is just like, you know, like I said, it's God tier. It's perfect. (laughs) Ritual is just not as perfect. It's like a 98 out of 100, whereas Defloret is just an even, clean (laughs) one zero (laughs) zero.
0: But how perfect is Ever Black?
1: very not <laughs> i don't know if i like this album Ooh, a bit of a lullaby Not. i'm Ooh. joking i'm joking i'm talking shit <laughs> ever black is confusing to me i don't like it very much i like it more now at the time i was like i do not like this i didn't really give it much of a chance and i still hold some of those feelings because it's just not as tight um in a lot of ways I don't think the songwriting is as concise as Ritual is I think Ryan Knight's performances are a lot better I think his solos are just so god tier on this record but the actual riffage I think could have been stronger even though there are some really great cuts on here like
0: Everblack does something interesting yeah Um, Into the Everblack is kind of a throwback to their early almost metalcore days Uh,
1: elaborate
0: uh so into into the ever black the 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 song itself yeah
1: it
0: it doesn't give off the same melodic tones It, it does go a bit more a bit more into what they were doing early on where it's less about such a condensed song structure and more into kind of do what do what you're doing type idea
1: You know, I feel like this album is kind of the sleepier version of the Black Dahlia-isms that I like in all the previous records. It feels lower energy, and I think the production is actually part of that. Something about this feels flat to me, whereas I think the other albums, like all of them, are far more exciting. Something about this one just doesn't click. And I don't know if it was a songwriting or the production isn't as punchy. Something's just off for me. Like, do you like this album like a lot? What's your overall take on this?
0: I like this album, but I feel like this album was written as a live album and not as Mm. a studio album. Okay. I think every song on here deserves its place in a a live set list. Um, And I would rather listen to the live version of any of these songs over the studio version but I do really like this album do
1: you think it's um, because it's simpler and less techy, so it's easier to follow live?
0: no no I, I think I, some I,
1: of the songwriting is a little simpler on this one see it's like less harmonies and less chaotic blast riffage
0: I think there's just a lot more there's a, a lot more emphasis on the vocals that's for sure
1: and, yeah that is true very good vocal performance I don't want to like forget to mention that like yeah i think this is trevor's one of his better performances yeah you know.
0: and like you know in hell is where she waits for me first of all has uh you yeah. what's his face from the red cord doing the narration um
1: oh i, I forget his name. name mike mckenzie yeah
0: yeah they have him doing the intro narration which is a prayer and then it goes into again what is one of trevor's strongest vocal performances and especially in the way it's written it's it is just so smart (laughs) yeah um i don't know maybe maybe where you start to lose i mean i don't want to speak for you of course but maybe where, where you do start to lose the the feeling of black dahlia is the fact that it does have longer songs. A lot of the songs do break five minutes.
1: Yeah, but I also think that wouldn't matter if the instrumentation, I think, was more exciting. This really does feel like toned down and fairly subdued interpretation of the sound.
0: It's it's very front heavy. I can tell you that.
1: Kind of. But I, I do like some of the cuts on the other half. I, I do like control quite a bit. Uh, map of Scars is pretty good. But
0: yeah, Maviscars like everything. I mean,
1: great outro, of
0: course.
1: Everything on this album was just done better either before or after, quite <laughs> frankly. I just don't have much of a desire to revisit it, even like compared to Abysmal. I like, I I prefer Abysmal quite a bit. I prefer ritual. It's again it's sandwiched between I think two better releases.
0: Well, funny enough, uh, Ever Everblack is actually the first time I saw Black Dahlia.
1: Mm-hmm. They were playing some pretty big tours at the time.
0: Yeah, they headlined the Mod Club in Toronto. They had was oh, there that actually. Ah, yes, Noisem and Fallujah opened, yeah. and uh, made support with Skeleton Witch, and it was the uh, the last time that Chance had played Toronto with Skeleton Witch. In case Good you, uh, yeah, in case you didn't know that one, um, yeah. but yeah, just that is where I where I began to understand this album a lot more because I didn't get into it when it came out. And just, you know, In Hell is Where She Waits For Me as an opening song to a set list is incredible. And I think that's one thing that changed with Everblack is Black Dahlia started to think a lot more about their live shows and how they were going to introduce a lot of these songs live. And it, it's noticeable on, on Abysmal and on Nightbringers and Verminus as well. That the I actually int- disagree. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, I cut you off there by mistake.
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say, like it is noticeable that a lot of these songs, a lot of these album opening songs are built, in my opinion, as as set openers. And it makes sense why they did that because they've obviously been building set closers
1: all before that. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you he said this album probably was written with live music in mind where I'm willing to accept that as, you know, being a good analysis of it. I think in the context though of like abysmal um, Nightbringers and even Verminus, I don't know if I think that's the case. I think, I think those albums are much better studio projects than this one. Um, this is just honestly, to be fair, this also came out in a period when I was kind of falling out of metal for a time. So, I mean that didn't help but even revisiting it I was just so unenthusiastic to do so and it was a bit of a slog honestly I uh, don't know if I really recommend this one quite frankly I think you could probably skip it.
0: Were there any standout songs for you?
1: Yeah there was I, I think In Hell Is Where She Waits For Me is rather good I like Control a bit. Um, Raped in Hatred by Vines of Thorn very good track
0: All about the but again dead. this
1: album is not particularly fun it's very dark
0: yeah, doubles down
1: on their ritual darkness, but it, yeah, this one's, this one's a little more cosmic, but it's still not fun. <laughs> it's a little more self-serious.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do you get like "Raped and Hatred" is obviously about the Evil Dead. Yes, um, I say. yeah. Go to Departure is a spectacular song, especially the uh, the six 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 chant.
1: Good about that.
0: Always fun live. But and that's the thing. It, it does feel like this song was written as, or this album was written as with live music in mind specifically. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: And basically, the reason I say that that continues on, is uh, on abysmal. Abysmal opens with receipt, and receipt is receipt. receipt is very much a live opener. And you cannot tell me too. otherwise.
1: <laughs> um. Overall, do you like Ever Black? Like, how do you feel like it stands compared to everything else?
0: Ooh, fun fact I reviewed Ever, or uh, no, I didn't review oh. Ever Black.
1: What'd you give it? Nope, I
0: lied. I didn't review Ever Black. Um, I do <laughs> like Ever Black. <laughs> wow. Uh, I do like Ever Black. Ever Black is quite, it's not my favorite, Um, but I wouldn't say it's abysmal.
1: <laughs> Definitely not abysmal. No, another thing they do is genuinely bad. No, it's it's it is not genuinely bad. It
0: has its standout songs. It has songs that when I go to see Black Eye Alive, I want to see. I agree, but there are yeah, there are songs in the second half of the album that kind of slowed down
1: for me. Honestly, this could have just been a five-song EP. Six. You got to include Maffa Scars. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that probably just would have been a it would have been a really tight release if it was just those first or sorry, those six songs that we mentioned. Yeah. I think that would have been very tight, but as an album, it's a little sloppier because it has the extra songs on there that, you know, are arguably a little frivolous, a little superfluous. Yeah. I mean, if you want more Black Dahlia, like look no further, I guess, but I'm not sure if it's the version of Black Dahlia that people want and then yeah. And I think uh, Abysmal is actually quite a directional 180, quite frankly.
0: Everblack was a logical follow-up to Ritual.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: And yeah, I think that's kind of where a lot of people's issue came with Abysmal is, like you said, it is it is kind of a 180. It does go in a different... It goes back to the more fantastical Type of lyrics.
1: Sorry, before we go further into Abysmal, because I have a lot to say about that one. How do you feel about Everblack's production? I feel like it's a lot flatter than the other releases. It doesn't. This, I don't feel like this one punches it as hard. It doesn't. It, I, the songs are heavy. I don't know if the production reflects it as much as it could, though.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's actually the production that's an issue. I just think it's the scaling back on the instrumentals and going mm. for a more vocal, a more grandiose vocal performance
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah i wouldn't say it's so much on the production as it is just the way it's written
1: sure yeah so let's talk about abysmal that's an interesting release i think
0: all right this is where i got confused abysmal is the one that i that i reviewed uh this was around the time i was actually starting to be a proper writer
1: Sorry to cut you off. Um, if we can do a quick cut here, actually. We forgot to talk about the EP because that is actually before Abysmal. Fuck. <laughs> so let's me. pretend we're not talking about Abysmal. <laughs> Every time I
0: try to talk about Abysmal.
1: All right. Let's
0: ignore the fact that we were trying to touch on Abysmal. Uh, grind them all exists. It's uh, it's three minutes and grind covers. It barely exists. <laughs> it, yeah, it exists for three minutes out of
1: your day. you like this?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine.
1: I, My first I, note. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I have nothing against it, but it's not really something I go looking for. But I'm not really the biggest grind fan. so. My first note
1: is, meh, not for me.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's kind of where it stands it's like if you want more black dahlia and you want to hear them doing some some interesting covers then here you go and if you're not a fan of grind then i mean you have what like uh, 10 other albums to listen to something like that
1: well no they're grind band they released three minutes of grind that's yeah i mean <laughs> <Well, laughs> i'm gonna tell you they were now a grindcore band
0: yeah I mean, three minutes of Grind is basically an entire Grindcore album, so... Oh, well.
1: Moving on, then. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on I have now. nothing to say about Grind Malt. No, It's really, really only for the super fans, honestly.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it's cool. Trevor does, like, a different vocal style because, you know, you kind of yeah. got to match the grindy sound, but... He's good yeah, at it. He is. Trevor's good at what he does. I mean, that's that's just kind of it. But, uh Yeah. It it exists if you if you want to listen to it it exists on everywhere pretty much I don't think it's on Spotify but it's on YouTube. No, nah, I had to
1: find it on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not hard to find basically. Um, it was released on a vinyl and only vinyl. So if you were a super fan of Black Dahlia and bought it, then great, good for you. And
1: if you didn't, then you didn't. That's a very short listen. You could wash two dishes and then the whole thing's over. Pretty
0: much. Well, I guess if you're short, if you're slow washing dishes,
1: yeah, true. <laughs> Abysmal's well, yeah, it's much better than ever. Black, that's my first note.
0: <laughs> I yeah. like this.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like people disagree with me about that. I don't um, know if that's a popular opinion. I don't really know the consensus on this one, honestly.
0: I yeah, the consensus seems good, but from my understanding, a lot of people were not a fan of uh
1: of the album when it came out me included i didn't like it when it first came out i didn't understand but now that yeah. i'm older and wiser i uh much more i much like it i am sorry i like it much more now um so it's I basically defloreat part <laughs> 2 yeah
0: yeah no i i get it like it's it went back to that style that more fantastical mystical dark poetry style
1: more techie i think
0: yeah it had some really interesting bits um receipt is is my proof that they're writing songs to match a live performance more so than an album it works a really good song it works in the album context much better than uh much better than in hell does but, yeah, I mean, as a whole, it's... I, I do feel like a lot of this album was written in, in the context of we're going to play these songs live.
1: You see, I don't really get that impression because it is so much faster and shreddier. I feel like Ever Black's a more simple approach to this sound.
0: Everblack Black was trying to, like... Their version of the prototype of writing for a live performance.
1: Uh,
0: okay. Maybe I don't know. That's just how I see it. <laughs> that's an <laughs> interesting
1: that. perspective. I, I I like where you're going with that. Um, I think the production is much better than ever black. Honestly,
0: yeah. No, I, the, uh, I, the production I, definitely has a lot more to it than uh than ever black did
1: overall this is kind of more what i would have expected from a follow-up to ritual than ever black ever black did throw me for a bit of a curveball honestly but i think this is again a much more return to form but this is also the part of the discography where i think things go a little spotty for me um just this general like mid-period starting from ever black and you know grinding them all i like abysmal quite a bit by the way but i don't think it is nearly as good as Nightbringers, which might be like one of my favorite <laughs> albums ever of all time.
0: Yeah, I okay. like I like him quite a bit. Um, I'm I pulled up my review that I did way back when, and uh, I gave it a 10.
1: So
0: out of, uh, out of 10, <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess out of 100 would have been a bad thing. No, it's, I gave it a 10 out of 10.
1: Maybe a 10 out of 12, <laughs> respectable <laughs> score. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was a uh, it, it's a great a great album. Um, Trevor's kind of poetic writing, dark poetry, as I said, really oh. shines through on this one. Refaced is probably one of the most interesting like melodic songs that Black Dahlia's has written.
1: I do like Refaced quite a bit. Yeah, And uh,
0: That Cannot Die which eternally is dead is I mean, it's just another album closer. It's, it's outstanding in everything
1: it does. I think, you know, what my issue with this album is, is that it's just not older discography. I feel like it's one of those things where like, I'd appreciate it more if the context was different, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would like it more if this wasn't, in my brain, a comeback album.
0: That's yeah no I see where you're coming from I mean I I feel like
1: because everything that's on this album was just done better and I feel like it's just a course correction from Ever Black but I shouldn't take it like that I should accept it in a vacuum because I think like again I like this album a lot I'm making it sound like I'm very harsh on this thing I'm really not I actually like this a lot more than a lot of albums in this discography quite frankly yeah I I just don't think it's classic I would personally
0: consider Nightbringers more of a course correction
1: Nightbringers is also we will get there
0: (laughs) like yeah abysmal does what it does but it does what it does well it has it does kind of go back to you know as I keep saying it's kind of like that Lovecraft style as opposed to being the more realistic and and darker lyrics but it, it does stand on its own as its own kind of release, whereas Ever Black and Ritual can kind of be bundled into one, Deflore right. it and, well, Deflore it and a little bit of Nocturnal and definitely Nightbringers can all be bundled together.
1: Yeah. I almost consider, like, Black Dahlia's discography to be, like, segmented in a way, right? The way I'm almost like thinking about the discography is, I almost view it of like very specific eras. I feel like Abysmal and Deflor, um, sorry, Abysmal and Nightbringers feels more in line with what was happening during Nocturnal, Deflorate, and Ritual days. I almost consider Ever Black its own little like independent era, and then you have the beginning stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Also, yeah, I think even like the color schemes start to be more uniform because Nocturnal is a solid blue, or is like you know, mostly blue, Nightbringers is mostly red, abysmal is mostly yellow, orangey, um, ever black is a purple. You know what I mean? There's just yeah. started to be more cohesive themes of their albums, whereas Deflorate, Ritual, Miasma, Unhollowed have their own thing going on. Well, ritual is mostly green. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it has more. It has, <laughs> it has a it bit more. It's the to same it. as like Verminous, which is like an actual green album <laughs> cover. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. And Nightbringers is an
0: actual red. And yeah.
1: Yeah, something about this album doesn't wow me, but I really like it. Like this is a very, very good album. Do Do you stand by your ten out of ten review? No. <laughs> That's a really high score. I gotta say, really. Like I think. Other albums in discography are ten out of tens. I don't know if this one is because this one is just yeah. a classic album. That's my only complaint is that it's not as classic as the best albums of all time. Yeah, let me which just kind of a shitty complaint. I'm sorry. <laughs> let me just throw in a note that this was really early in me writing,
0: sure, especially at like a high degree. Um, and this was probably one of the first like proper big releases that I did. So, yeah, there's probably a bit of. I just kind of want to praise it for the sake of praising it and because it's Black Dahlia who have always been one of my favorite bands. But I mean, I would definitely stand
1: by an eight if I gave it an eight. It's one of those things where if you gave Ever Black a 10 out of 10, I would have asked the same question. Like, really though? You know what I mean? No, no Again, this isn't the same discography as like Deflerate or Nocturnal, which if you called those 10 out of 10s, I would never, ever complain
0: yeah like no I definitely do stand
1: by the 10 um, yeah make no mistake this album fucks it's, it's really it does. good it really does it, it's more of a party al- um, uh, sorry a party album and that's kind of why I like it a lot more than some of the previous stuff I, I feel like I want to hang out and listen to this album whereas some of the other albums I'm like ah, you know these aren't party bangers this, <laughs> like, this is something I will listen to on my own yeah, yeah like ever black i would never bust out at a fucking party <laughs> yeah but you, you bust this
0: out and you turn on uh vlad son, son of the dragon and everyone's yeah. ready
1: to go amen brother <laughs> you know abysmal not the most fascinating release but it's pretty good like I, I actually would highly recommend people listen to it but i think it's just like this places lower than a lot of other albums in this list but i mean like if um, there's I like it a lot more than like let's say Miasma, for example, I like a lot more than Everblack or any of the EPs.
0: If there's any key thing to throw in about Abysmal, it definitely has the best album art.
1: No, not for me, but I think it's really cool.
0: It's uh yeah, no, I I I that I love, I love oh, that art. That's that's a really insane. cool t-shirt
1: too. Yeah, yeah.
0: It made a really cool blanket as well, because you know, Black Dahlia released fucking everything on everything.
1: Speaking of a band of excellent merch, I should actually, uh, <laughs> for another shirt. Excuse me while I <laughs> pull up some band pages here.
0: Uh, I've got the uh, the verminous snapback, so
1: oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I'm not a hack guy because I, I wear my hair in a bun a lot. <laughs> I can't really contain that thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, all right, I mean, you know, bringers. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you have any favorite songs because I, I, I actually. Because I think this album isn't as strong, I do actually have favorites. Uh, I don't think it's as consistent as some of their other stuff. Vlad, so definitely. Me, yeah, Receipt, Vlad, Refaced. I actually like um, Abysmal quite a bit, Asylum, The Advent. Threat Level number f- three is actually rather good too. Like re- Pretty much half the of the album. album I think is really great. What's that? <laughs> you can name the whole album here? Yeah, half of it. <laughs> uh, i mean
0: it didn't get the love it deserved in terms of being an album closure but that cannot die which eternally is dead is a killer song
1: not for me but i like it it's really good um sorry i just want to throw this out here actually i listened to this album both in its proper released you know track listing and i also shuffled it this album is basically a short series of vignettes. So the album experience does feel a little bit more compartmentally. <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> Compart- compartmentalized compartmentalize. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's so fair. that's something to note because I feel like the other albums don't really suffer from that. Like Def Lloyd, I think, is a really good example of like pacing of an album. I like listening to it front to back. Same with Ritual and so on and so forth. This one you can shuffle. I don't think it matters. Which I don't really mind. It does make for playlists really well, actually. Yeah, I mean to that way of listening to music.
0: The the main thing with this one, um, it does have a definitive str- opener. And it does have a definitive closer, and it doesn't have really anything in the middle.
1: Yeah, you could shuffle that stuff around, and it wouldn't affect your experience. I don't. Yeah, know. as
0: long as you keep receipt in the beginning. And, and you keep that to not die at the end. You've pretty much got the album
1: as a, as a whole anyways. You know what? Maybe they uh, wrote it that way because they know people are into playlists. And maybe they felt that was a good way for people to take their picks. Because, I mean, it yeah. came out in 2015, so Spotify was surely... Spotify
0: was time. definitely getting huge. Um, just like
1: that form of listening to Apple music,
0: music you know? yeah. Just... Mm-hmm the world yeah. was
1: going in that direction maybe they just thought like oh that might be a good way to structure our music because like ever black doesn't have that ever black i think was trying to be an album experience even though like you said they are more live anthemic kind of tunes i still yeah. feel like you know the order of those tracks matter to an extent yeah definitely. that's an observation it doesn't doesn't bother me either way like i understand <laughs> like i i also like understand people's love for playlists not me i'm an album guy personally but i dig it you
0: know? uh yeah i can definitely do one or the other uh, there are certain songs that do work in a playlist, but for the most part, I'd rather turn on an album and just let the album jam.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm kind of the same way. Anyways, yeah, Nightbringers, um, 10 out of 10, God Tier, moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nightbringers I love this album. is the I'm incredibly weakest
0: album post uh, Metalcore days.
1: Say that one more time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was trying to hide myself under you. Um,
1: yeah, Nightbringers, weakest
0: album that they've done since they became Ouch. definitive Black Dahlia.
1: Sorry, I want to I want to go back one second. That was Abysmal was the last Ryan Knight album. By the way, oh, some yeah. of his greatest guitar solos. I forgot to mention that. I just want to go into the ether before I forget. <laughs> but yes, Brandon Ellis, this is his first appearance. I think he fits in the band really well. So I'm confused why you have this opinion. I think this album is just so fucking awesome. I think. Every song is just a certified high energy fucking banger. For me, this is a return to form. I adore this album. It was so influential in my life at the time.
0: Maybe um, it's nostalgic.
1: I don't know, but I love Widowmaker. I love Matriarch. I love the title track Kings in a nighttime world. Like I could go on, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, you thought abysmal was a course correction. I mean, maybe to an extent, but this really feels like a course correction. This basically feels like they wanted to rewrite Nocturnal. And yeah, that's the only way I can really hear it. It's which is fine. Nocturnal is a great album, but it it doesn't feel like it brings anything new to the table.
1: Do you feel that Brendan Ellis, though, really does kind of give the band a new life? Because I I feel like he does, because I really feel like that's why this album is so radically different, because I think it's much different than Abysmal, by the way. He has um, aesthetically it doesn't feel like the same thing is the presence is different. I feel.
0: Yeah. He definitely has some incredibly good riffs on, on the new album or on this album, I should say. Um, I would say it's de- Like it makes sense to go back and do something, you know, when you're bringing in somebody new. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, I think as much as he stands out on this album for what he does, he doesn't truly stand out until until the next one. I disagree. Cause this one just feels it just feels safe. And I I, know, again, man. it's nothing yeah. against this album. I do like the album. Let me just be very clear about that. I do like the album. Yeah. But it does feel safe.
1: You see, I don't mind safe if the energy is there because I think the songwriting chops feel fresh enough or even though they are at this point uh, continuing their sound, they're not as necessarily evolving their sound. I still think this one's a cut above the rest. I would rank this as good as De Fleurette, honestly. I think this album um, has just some incredible anthems and like, if I can give some examples here, I think Nightbringers... And Kings of the Nighttime World are just sing along classics at this point. I, I think those are like some really, really good performances. It's fast, it's techy, it's like, oh, this is exciting. It feels dangerous again, honestly, because I feel like it's just so loud too. The mastering on this thing is great. I love <laughs> how this thing sounds. Like in a car, this thing sounds so cool, and like it makes me want to drive fast. And
0: my my only issue with Safe is the fact that this isn't a band that needs safe.
1: Mm, okay. Okay.
0: Black Dye have done so much at this point and to this point, and so many different tones and sounds that they really don't need to do safe anymore. They could release an album that's essentially Unhollowed Part Two and go in with the biggest sounding metalcore album, and it would still be more more palatable and more interesting than just rewriting nocturnal. And again, I do like this album. I promise.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think you smoke crack. (laughs) I I love this album. Um, Yeah, dude. I I think Brendan Ellis, like I keep on bringing him up, but man, like there's some fucking crazy good solos on here. Do you think the guitar work is more, playful than it was before because i feel like that was missing and like i said like remember when i said earlier that black dahlia stopped being fun for a couple of years yeah. I think this is a lot more fun there's everything that came up before definitely
0: it. a reason that um blah there's definitely a reason that ryan knight went out after abysmal there's... i don't
1: i i don't blame him honestly because if you know those two albums in a row i can see him being like eh, i don't know
0: yeah, there's there is definitely a reason that uh that Ryan Knight is no longer with Black Dahlia. And like I get it, he did guitar work with Arsis and he wrote some really cool like melodic death metal songs, but I don't know, it, it, he just seemed to have gotten stale really quick.
1: And all of I a think sudden actually I actually think that his guitar playing got better from album to album. I think his performances on Abysmal are just so good. Some of his best solos, I think, honestly. Maybe not his best riffs, though. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's an important distinction. I think his solos got better. I don't know if his riffage did.
0: Yeah. I, like, I'm just trying to think. I think Reface is the only riff that really comes to mind when I think of Abysmal.
1: You didn't like the receipt riffage?
0: I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm sure there's plenty that's of cool on. riffs. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, like, when I'm trying to think of Black Dahlia riffs, very, very little of it comes from Abysmal. I would agree with
1: that. More comes to
0: mind from Everblack.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So, yeah, like, you know, and and there's nothing against him. He definitely wrote, he definitely wrote good songs and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, bringing in Brandon Ellis on this album just added a whole new breath of life to the band that was absolutely missing.
1: And that's kind of why I like it as much as I do. I think. What were your impressions of the, uh,
0: the singles when they came out?
1: Oh, I loved it. I was hooked. I knew right off the bat, I'm going to adore this. I really think it set the tone. I was just like, man, whatever they're dishing, I, I really want it. Like, and I want it now because I didn't like this. Like, when Because I, I said it before, and I'll say it again, abysmal and um, ever black. I used to really, like, take the piss out of. I like them a lot more now, but the singles, I don't know if they really set the tone as much as I think they could have. I don't think the strongest singles were released uh, for those previous efforts, whereas this one, I think. What were the singles on this one again It was King of the Nighttime World. Widowmaker, um, Widowmaker, was Matriarch one of them, or am I tripping? I don't uh, think it was.
0: I don't think so. Don't Wikipedia know. is
1: not telling me the singles, so <laughs> actually no. Um, Yeah, I remember being pretty jazzed about this thing, and actually, it was one of the last physical releases I ever bought. Ooh! So I was so hyped on it. I was like, "Yep, I want this on my shelf." So uh, the fair. day it came out, I went to go. Buy it from HMV or whatever we open <laughs> at the time. I think it was Sunrise at the whatever. Anyways, I just kind of revealed where I live. That's not the point. So
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, uh, in Sunrise
1: in all of Canada. So true, true. Um, I don't really care for Verminus. I'm going to spoil that now. I think this is infinitely better in every regard. Mostly songwriting, quite frankly. I think the production on everything else is you know pretty fine, but I, I think the songwriting here is peak. Quite frankly any um like were you able, did you have a chance to see them on this tour at all i did and that's also what got me reinvigorated i was so hyped on these songs live <laughs> dude i I ate this shit up i saw them twice on this cycle nice i missed them when they did the full album that was a big fuck up on my end so oops but i did see them actually open up for a black label society right before pandemic so i I got to see him do an opening set list where you kind of mentioned this earlier throughout the podcast that even if you see a short opening set list, it, it's pretty jam packed. And they actually threw in like, like three or four of the songs off this album in that set list. And they played a bunch of like fan favorites. It was really cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, going like touching on that a little bit, as soon as my thing wants to work the way I want it to, which apparently it does not. Um, I've only seen them once as an opener. I mean, it was, like, it was main support, but an opener all the same. Uh, And it was actually opening for um, Carcass. It a really
1: cool show, yeah.
0: Oh, it was. (laughs) But uh, it's it's kind of the same idea of, um, I think they only had half an hour, if I remember correctly. It may have been 40 minutes. Yeah. But it was packed with nine songs. And you got a little bit of everything. Um, obviously, they were touring for Ever Black at the, st- at the time still. So they shoved in a few of those songs. You got a couple of Nocturnal songs. Yeah. And funny enough, even though this was the second time I got to see Black Dahlia, this was the first time I got to see What a Horrible Night because they did not play it on, on the headline tour that I saw them on. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a bit weird to think about, but yeah. Black Dahlia were tucked in between carcass and gorguts,
1: so consider yeah, that how you will. I'll take it. But it, yeah, it was a <laughs> it,
0: it was a it was a fun tour. Do you have any
1: favorite songs? Jars. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, Widowmaker, Matriarch, Nightbringers, Kings of the Nighttime World. I think it's I think it's essential. I think everyone should listen to this album. Maybe I'm the weird one for thinking this is god tier, but I, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a good album, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I would not
0: put it like if you if you want to listen to this album, should go listen to
1: go listen to Nocturnal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, this one Nocturnal first. It's more essential. It's more essential. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so now let's talk about a thing I don't. Like as much, unfortunately, I, I wasn't crazy about Verminus. Let's
0: talk about a much better album than Nightbringers. Uh, here's Verminus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll let you um, fall. I'll let you like lead this conversation for a minute because I don't know. Like this one, this one's a hard one for me. I really want to like this album. I was hyped on it, but I was you know just didn't land for me. It's I'm, good. See, I'm a bit surprised because this one feels more like a proper follow up to
0: Defloor It than anything else that's come since Defloor It. It has a lot of the the mysticism that Deflor had, had. Uh it feels like it has a lot of the same style of instrumentals. And I do love the the plague aspect that just happened to be prevalent in the album before yeah. the plague hit the world.
1: Yeah, um, the timing is really coincidental, isn't it?
0: The timing's great. They did the the, uh, the live stream show around this album where they Beal played... Was that the one? Yeah. Where they got to play some of these songs in a church. Um, I mean, it has absolutely killer singles. It has some of the best riffs. Like, Removal of the Oaken S- Stake," stands up everything on Nightbringers Head and Shoulders not me but yeah it's, a good <laughs> <song>. <laughs> it's fine um i mean kind of like you with with the uh with nightbringers i bought this album i went out and i made sure i bought it i have the like limited edition box thing that came with the flag the cd the vinyl oh, that's cool
1: the art glows yeah. in the dark um, i mean it's a really cool piece of art i just want to throw that out there i love this artwork
0: it has a uh apparently not many people know this because it's not even mentioned on Metal Archives, which is, you know, supposed to be like the most complete whatever. It came with a 7-inch vinyl that has a few covers, including a Megadeth cover on it.
1: No shit. What yeah. cover was it?
0: Uh, that's a good question. <laughs>
1: didn't know about that. That sounds kind of cool.
0: Um, it's on YouTube now. They, they put it up themselves for everyone who couldn't get the,
1: the limited edition thingy thingy. Oh, so it's only printed on this vinyl? Yeah. Oh, oh, cool, cool. I'm actually looking it up now. I I want to hear that. I didn't know that existed. It's not even like a typical "Go to Hell." That's hilarious. I did actually know about this. Is a good recording, I think.
0: Yeah, like it's not even a typical Megadeth cover. It's not. It's not at all what you would expect.
1: Yeah. You know, you're you're gonna
0: when you think of hey, I'm gonna cover Megadeth. You're gonna go, okay. Well, you're covering like something Rust in Peace, maybe something off of like Countdown. And they're you like, know, no, 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 we're, we're not talking about anybody.
1: Megadeth someday. They're one of my favorite bands. I like this era of Megadeth, like those weird singles they put on the 90s for like Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, <laughs> shit's great, by the way. Uh, I, the uh, song is 99 Ways to Die, just throwing it out there. We'll talk later.
0: Um, all of my handles on everything ever are based off a of Megadeth song. Nice. I really so, respect that. And it's, it's been that way since I was in high school.
1: Yeah. I adore Megadeth. We will talk. <laughs> we'll, we'll get something going. That's a big, that's a, that's a big tomato <laughs> for you to decide to talk about. Yeah. You thought this. You thought the Cryptopsy one was long. Yep,
0: exactly. But, um, Sunless Empire absolutely killer song
1: yeah i do like sunless empires a lot or sorry sunless empire rather that's a very good song
0: where we feast first song that properly stood out to me on uh, on this album godlessly has a really memorable um vocal pattern and just yeah though... the title track is actually yeah.
1: rather good too i
0: like it that one um i mean closing on dawn of the rats dawn of the rats is such
1: a cool song that one is rather good i agree um i don't really have too much to say about this one, honestly. It, <laughs> didn't, it didn't like leave you much of a lasting impression i i, I expected more maybe i overhyped into my brain i think it's one of those things where some of these albums honestly do grow on me so maybe we can do a redux at the end of an episode one day i'll, I'll really revisit certain things and reevaluate my opinion yeah and a lot of people really like this album and i thought that was i terrible. mean for anyone a lot of people uh,
0: really like it (laughs) as you say for anyone who doesn't know we do have a patreon coming or up it may be up at this point the who knows anymore um but yeah if you do want to hear us talk about any of these albums again anything that we do discuss there is an option on there on patreon where you will be able to ask questions and we will answer them live for you so if you want marcus to justify his shitty taste I should have a
1: verminous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please, uh, pay money and ask me to. My opinion. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, m- I money. want you to pay money to insult me, so it, well, it's fair. Yeah. You get to give me money. Say what you say. Your piece. We'll leave it at that. Exactly. But whether I answer your question is to be determined. So pay and find out. <laughs> Oh, you, you will answer any questions about Verminus. I will make sure of it. <laughs> You'll slip them in my DMs and just remind me.
0: Okay. Oh, I'll bring up the questions uh, while we go. Don't you worry?
1: I won't. Man. All, right. all right, all right. Yeah, you should listen to this album, even if you have you share my opinion. Yeah, you I think it's a fascinating work. I don't. I don't think it's bad by any stretch. I just don't. It's just not classic to me. You know. And here we are a year later. It still doesn't. You know, resonate with me as much. I I I'll, I'll continue to revisit it because I love this band, and especially like when live shows start up again. I'm one of those guys. I love looking up set lists before I see yep. bands. I love seeing what they're gonna play. So, I will revisit all the songs they decide to put on the set list. So, I'm maybe at one point I'll just learn to love it. I even take it a step further and make playlists of the set list. So I do that too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a king move.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I don't know why I do it, but hey, I have uh, that's part of why.
1: why I, yeah. Sort I know why I do it. Yeah. It's because sometimes sound sucks and I can't hear what's actually happening. But when I know <laughs> the set list, my brain makes all the connections happen. Everything just sounds clearer to me. Yep.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, I don't know, especially, like, being a metal fan, you kind of know if you want to go into the pit for a song.
1: You know, yeah, you build it up in your brain of, like, this song is going to be the one where I exert my energy and spill my beer.
0: It's like, yeah, so What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse is the second song in the set. Got to make sure I'm not, like, jump near the pit for that one because I will probably get murdered.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. how do we summarize the greatest band in the history of the world
0: in the history oh, no we already did death clock
1: how do we summarize the second greatest band in the history <laughs> of the world besides just classic essential modern just tastemakers the, the the shit if you go on about the being Beezys. a death metal fan
0: and you try to shit on black dahlia i mean nobody's walk going to home. take your opinion seriously just,
1: just You walk on home get out of here we don't, <laughs> don't need to hear that negativity yeah, you just look like a jackass. You just also just sounds like you don't want to have fun and Exactly. Yeah,
0: I mean that's pretty much it.
1: Listen, if if you asked were to ask me what albums should you start with? I'm going to go ahead and just say Nocturnal, deflerate and Ritual and Nightbringers, but Nightbringers optional. Everything else optional, but those three in particular I think just are so timeless and classic that I think everyone needs to give them a little bit of time.
0: Yeah, I would I would say you'd have to listen to Unhollowed. You'd have to listen to Nocturnal. And yeah, you'd have to
1: listen to Floret. Because, Unhollowed, I see why, because that album actually does stand the test of time pretty well.
0: Yeah, and that's how you're going to get the true idea. Even hmm. I would actually say you could probably switch out to Flora. As much as I love the album, you could probably switch it out with a Ritual. And okay. that, way, that way you're getting every era of Black Dahlia. You have their original sound, their original metalcore sound. You have Nocturnal, which is the basis for everything this band has ever done. And Ritual gives you that much darker tone. Those yeah. are your, those are your three essential listens. If you if you're not familiar with Black Dahlia, those are what you're going to listen to right now.
1: Yeah, stop the end of this podcast. <laughs> this is just this is just an outro. Just just go listen to Black Dahlia if you haven't. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, this
0: is just the outro where we tell you, hey, you should probably share this podcast around. Uh, you can like or rate or whatever you do on where you're listening. Um, but yeah, definitely sharing helps the most. We do have a Patreon it's on our Facebook page, go there, give us a little bit of money for a time. If we enjoyed, if you enjoyed us, I, I don't know how we would enjoy you, but that's what my words wanted to say.
1: Well, I enjoy that. They're here.
0: I, I, I mean, I appreciate that you're here. I appreciate that you exist. I also appreciate hey that you exist, Marcus,
1: whoever, I appreciate you too, Aaron. And whoever's listening to this, I see you. Keep on doing what you're doing.
0: And as we said before, jump on that Patreon, tell Marcus Please. his his taste sucks. Ask him why he doesn't like verminus. And I promise you, every time one of you asks why he doesn't like verminus, I will make him listen to verminus one more time. And yeah, this
1: is this is this is a thing now. People have to ask me about verminus until I die. So yeah.
0: It's... And possibly by the end of this, Marcus will hate verminus even more because of how many times you're going to be forced to listen to it.
1: I might pretend to like it at one point and get people off. <laughs> we'll see that, We'll see if that tactic does anything, but again, please give us money to question me and grill me about anything, particularly plus, verminous and like
0: you know if you're in a band of your own, you can uh you can have us listen to your band, and Marcus can probably tell you that he hates your band as well. Yeah, we'll write your music I, that's something pretty
1: yeah, if you guys want us to review your bands, I have opinions.
0: I I also have opinions. I've I've made my life based on said opinions. <laughs> that is your job, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, you got it made. Th- this in writing.
1: <laughs> People care so much about what you have to say that they're willing to pay you. Isn't that grand?
0: It is. It is. I I, I mean, I'm not complaining. So if you if you want to pay me to hear my to hear my opinion in person instead of on writing,
1: here's your chance. But if you guys also want to pay us to tell you to tell us how much you hate my band, you may check us out at APOC Metal on all platforms except for TikTok. (laughs) APOC's being spelled A-E-P-O-C-H, APOC Metal on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You'll get to see my mug and our tunes and we have been much new music coming out. Uh, When the time is released, our single on that compilation should be out don't no, no we'll see <laughs> no, no, no. Somet- something's happening somewhere Stuff's happening just stuff. go on just like my stuff buy our merch i don't care <laughs> My name or, is Marcus.
0: <laughs> y- y- yeah you know or just come over to the patreon i, I think the patreon's better just berate me <laughs> <laughs> just just go on his instagram and tell him that his opinion sucks my and personal
1: one. Don't don't go to like my band accounts and harass everyone else. Come to me. Yeah, you can do that. Slide into my DMs and tell me I'm an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, we'll stop
0: rambling about Marcus's shitty opinion. Thank you for listening. All right, all right. We appreciate your time, and uh, see you all next week. Thank you very much, folks.